a solitary place. And if we understand from all of the other passages of Scripture that speak about Jesus' journey, this is his time alone with the Father. Jesus says, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so this is Jesus' movement to spend time alone with his Father. The crowds press in. We have the feeding of the 5,000. At the end of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus compels the disciples to get in the boat and leave. And then he dismisses the crowd, goes up on a hillside, and prays. Almost as if what he was doing didn't get finished, and he knew how important it was, regardless of how much the pressure of the day produced for him, he still needed to get away to pray. So it's fair to ask myself, maybe to ask you, what priority does that play in your life? I know we go through spiritual exercises, we come to church, we hear the scripture read, but is there a recognition of how essential this alone quiet time with God is. I don't know what it looks like for you. It probably looks different for everyone. The title of the message is Live Your Own Life. So in this storyline of Peter and the disciples, we find Peter getting out of the boat and moving toward Jesus, but we also have a lot of other disciples who aren't doing that. In fact, I probably relate a lot more to the disciples who stay in the boat than Peter who gets out of the boat. It makes a whole lot more sense to me to stay in the boat. I would grab hold of the rudder and try and make it to shore. If you want to walk to shore, Peter, that's fine. And some of you are just like that. You're just ready to be the first one out of the boat, to jump forward with the idea, the movement, that you want to just tackle whatever it is. I like to watch and wait just a little bit. We're very different. If you want to get out of the boat and try and walk to shore, more power to you. That's great. Because God has made us different. Talked about that a couple weeks ago. And calls us to live into the life that he's called us to live, not the person who's seated beside us. I can't live your life. I've got to trust that you will work with God in living out what God has called you to do. So in the same regard, I will say about this quiet time with God, I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know if it's early in the morning, late at night, middle of the day. I don't know if it's drinking coffee at a breakfast table or if it's walking on the beach. I don't know if it's reflecting on your dreams or interceding for friends. I don't know what it looks like for you. All I'm asking is, do you realize how important it is? I don't know what the right rhythm for you is. If it's once a day, once a week, a couple times a day, I don't know. But have you considered how important it is for your spiritual health and your spiritual life? You're called into this place to follow after what Jesus models. Not Peter, not the other disciples, but what does Jesus model for us? So let me go over once again what happens in this story. Jesus sends the disciples into the boat. They start the Sea of Galilee. After that's taken place, Jesus sends the crowds away, and he prays and goes through the most of the night, spending time with God, resting, renewing, 
Shortly before dawn, the winds come up, and he knows the disciples are out in the water, and so Jesus then walks on the water to the boat. Have to confess, I don't get that. I don't understand how that happens. The next part I get completely. Those who see Jesus moving toward the boat think they're seeing some kind of a ghost, and they're terrified. Jesus tries to calm their fears and simply says, it is I. And Peter says, okay, if it really is you, tell me to come out there and walk with you. And so Jesus does. Peter gets out of the boat and steps down and takes some steps toward Jesus. And then this part I really get. He looks around, sees the wind, realizes what he's attempting to do, and panics. Fear sets in. Fear sets in. What are you afraid of? There's a wonderful movie that Pixar put out that I'm guessing most of you have seen. And I'm guessing some of you can give me the entire plot and all of the characters. Monsters, Inc. Does it get much better than Monsters, Inc.? I don't think so. The big tall monster's name is? Thank you. Wow. Fantastic. Sully. And his wonderful little one-eyed friend is? <laughs> That's so fantastic. I don't have to give you the plot or anything. But for those of you that haven't seen the movie, you need to this week. But besides that, this is this wonderful story of monsters that we find where they dwell. In closets, of course. Behind doors. Sometimes under beds. I have to confess, that has been a fear of mine at times. You have probably, some of you heard, the first time I was allowed to stay home alone by myself. And it was amazing how all the sounds that were there every other night all of a sudden got a lot louder and a lot creepier when I was there at home by myself at night. And I had to turn all the lights on in the rooms where I was heading long before I turned the lights off in the rooms I was leaving just to make sure there was a clear lighted pathway all the way. And the moment that night when I went into the bathroom at the close of my evening, having gotten nice and tired and was a little concerned about behind the bathtub shower curtain, and so with one big motion, I swung my arm, opened the curtain, and screamed. Just in case there was somebody there, they would recoil, and I would have enough time to get out of the house before they recovered. That was my plan. There was no one there. Went to brush my teeth, but before I brushed my teeth, had to check under the sink in the vanity thing, because the last thing you want to have happen when you're brushing your teeth is somebody to grab your calf. That's like the worst. So I cleared that area, make sure everything was fine. So I'm very familiar with the issues of Monsters, Inc. This was a story of my journey. I would propose to all of you here that if you no longer worry about Sully or Mike in the closet, 
The only thing that has changed is the form your fear takes because we all still have them. I'm not sure what it is for you. It may be as you've gotten older that the fear is just being alone. A fear of not having enough resources. A fear of what health is going to look like in a few more years. A fear of a changing family system. It may not look like Mike or Sully, but actually it might look a whole lot like Mike and Sully, just carrying different characteristics in our journey. For Peter in that moment, when the waters set in motion, a bit of a panic for Peter, Sometimes for us, the monsters within are bigger than the monsters without. The way in which we begin to think about things and ruminate over issues. There are sometimes when resources become a concern of mine that I will fill out a spreadsheet or figure out all the sources and where they're coming from and it really doesn't change the tenth time I do it because the numbers are still all the same but somehow I feel like if I look at it one more time it will calm me a little bit. Let me take a little bit of a moment and, and look at the Old Testament story and ask the question is there anything that the Old Testament story can help us see or consider as we look at this story. This is an Old Testament story of Joseph. In verse 19, Joseph is called the dreamer. Genesis 37. He's called the dreamer. We really don't understand that if we don't read the portion that was left out. We went from verse 1 to 4, and then we skipped 5 to 11 and picked up again in verse 12. But in verses 5 to 11 we hear what the story is about Joseph being a dreamer. Joseph not only was a dreamer, he became a dream interpreter later on in his journey, but here are the two dreams he had. The first one was he dreamed about 11 sheaves of wheat, these big gatherings of wheat bundles that are tied up and left in the field. And he said that 11 sheaves bowed down to his sheave. Well, we come to find out later that he assumed that what that meant was that he believed or thought that all of the brothers were going to bow down to him. He then had another dream, and this dream was that the sun and the stars bowed down to him. He was... Um, it would appear a little arrogant in that it seems like he shares these dreams with the whole family, like over dinner. Hey, let me tell you what I dreamed. And they got very put out by it. Here's what's interesting to me, though. That 
though I've said before, the culture of that time paid great respect to dreams. They didn't take them literally. When they looked at the dream or listened to the dream, they didn't actually think that the next day in the field, sheaves of wheat would somehow bend at the middle. Wherever Joseph walked, they would just all lean toward Joseph. They didn't hear the dream and think that somehow the sun and the moon and some of the stars would actually change their position and bow toward where Joseph was. They saw them as giving them an insight, at least into Joseph, and maybe into things that were to come. We know from Scripture, if we read the story far enough, that those things actually did where not the sheaves, not the stars, not the moon, not the sun, but that the brothers and the father came and they bowed before Joseph as God raised him to a very powerful position in Egypt. But they looked at his dream and looked at what they might learn from it. I in no way am comparing Joseph's dreams or any dream to the story that happens with Jesus in walking on the water. But from what they did in the Old Testament and ask myself the question, what learn from the story that's told in Matthew chapter 14? What might it say to my journey? How might it allow me to dig a little deeper in my life and try and push at some of the fears that I might have? So I'll ask myself the question. What was the contrast between Jesus and the others? And what do I see there? I see Jesus, who has spent time with the Father, wrestling with all of the things that Jesus wrestled with, prepared to move into the rest of life. And I'll ask myself, what are the things that I keep hidden, that I push beneath the surface of the water, the things that I can't see, the things that I keep hidden from you? Not too many people would know that I often get very nervous before I come up with anything. Very often I'll jot down a note to myself that I just thought of at kind of the last minute when I'm seated on the front row and I pull out a pen and I can't read my own writing because my hand is shaking too much and it's illegible. And I'll go back and look at it afterward and I have no idea what I wrote. I have to do that ahead of time because every once in a while, those feelings just begin to take over. What is it that I push beneath the surface that I don't want to address? The fear that sometimes I hold at bay because I fear that if I pay attention to it, it will make me freeze. Circumstances? The future of my children, my journey with my parents, 
What is it that conjures up for you this great sense of, oh no, oh no. I had a wonderful chance this last week. An incredible staff of yours makes us pop every once in a while to get away. I had a, just a wonderful chance to go to Colorado for a few days and make a second attempt at trying to climb the highest peak in the San Juan Mountain Range in Colorado. I tried it about three years ago and didn't make it to the top. A sleet storm stopped us. I didn't realize how difficult the last section was. Um, we got to the point where we got in the last time having to climb this boulder field that was pretty steep. Looked behind us at one point in time in the past that we had just come through and saw a beautiful black bear just going across that spot. And had I been back in that spot, some fears would have come up, but two things mediated that. One was that I was a pretty good distance away by this point in time and a lot higher up. I knew that in that moment, I was in better shape than my friend who was climbing with me, and I could climb faster than he could. And so that would be a great distraction for the bear. That's not very kind, but it did cross my head as a possibility. So I got to the last about 150 feet, and it was steeper than I anticipated. And I had taken a chance to look to my right and saw how significant of a drop um, it would be if I didn't hang on well. And I told myself, D, you can't look to the right or to the right until you get to the top. The top was not a large space. Uh, the top was about the size of this lower stage area. So it was not a very large summit at all. It wasn't like a large plateau. You got to the top and I moved quickly to the middle of that little space and took my pictures and caught my breath at about a little over 14,000 feet. It was interesting in those moments, fears that I didn't have to address because I'm rarely in that kind of a circumstance started coming up. So sometimes the fears that we have are driven by the circumstances that suddenly come on our radar screen and we didn't even realize what it would produce in us until we got to that point. Annie Flint, a, back in the mid-1800s, wrote a hymn called, He Giveth More Grace. And part of that phrase that completes that thought he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. That when we step into places that we didn't anticipate, it's not as if there's this limited supply of God's presence with us. God's grace increases. At the end of the song, she writes, when we've come to the end of our horses, our Father's forgiving has only just begun. My fears are often wrapped up in what I can do in my own resources, but that's just the beginning of what God can do. Scripture says that in my weakness, God's strength is shown. 
I find it very interesting, Jesus' response to Peter. Sure, come on out. Peter begins to sink, and Jesus reaches out his hand. What is it in this story that makes the difference between Jesus and Peter? It makes me wonder, is it very possible that the very things we think will drag us under, weight us down until the waters get so high that we feel like we're drowning, that Jesus had come to understand that it's those very things that entrusted to God actually our buoyancy. That we stand tall on the redemptive work of God in the very area where our greatest fears are. That God's trustworthiness is in the area of those things we think could sink us, and when we trust them to God, they actually become the things on which we stand for strength. So I'm going to ask again, What's your biggest fear? I'm going to actually invite all of us, everyone here, if you're willing. I put slips of paper at the end of each row on the far outside. Grab one of those slips of paper and pass it down. I think that there is enough for the middle section, but if not, you can create your own piece of paper from the bulletin you have. But some of them are just coming down. It might take them a few moments and if you don't find any stacks of paper, you can get angry at the person at the end because I'm sure I put them there. Uh, that's not the case, but passing down a sheet of paper so that others can have them. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to just think for a moment. I'll give you a few moments to reflect. What is a great fear that you have? What makes you freeze or grabs your attention or holds you back? The thing that you kind of push down, push underneath, push away? Write it down. I had somebody in first service said that piece of paper was way too small. That may be the case for you. It may be you can't think of anything. That's okay. But jot down a fear of yours. Holding it in half, if you would. I'm going to suggest a couple of things. First, I want to acknowledge that there are probably as many fears as there are people here. When we talk about living the life that is our own and not trying to live somebody else's life, 
You have to recognize that we struggle with very unique things. You're not the only person in the world that has fears, probably has those fears that you've written down. But we're very unique in the journey we have. My wife and myself and my daughters, we all face very different things that are in the closet of our life. The pieces we try and shove into that closet and keep at bay. It's into this place, I want you to hear me well here, that Jesus reaches out his hand and says, here, I'm with you already. It's not so much that Jesus is waiting for you to invite Jesus into a place that Jesus has not been. It's more like this story that we have of Jesus walking on the water Jesus saying, I know what you're going through. I'm simply inviting you to take my hand because I'm already there. I'm already yours. I'm already present. Let me take that fear and instead of it being something that pulls you under, it becomes something on which you stand because now you know that I am your source. So I'll give you some options with the piece of paper that's in your hand. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray and the praise band will come in song. If during that closing song, you'd like to take that piece of paper and come up and just lay it on the altar, one of these three altars that are up here, as a symbolic way of saying, God, I'm trusting you with this. Please help me. And just set it right here. Be great. Do that. Option number two, share it with someone, maybe a family member. be great. Teens, children, if you ask your parents, what are you afraid of? Don't shy away from saying. It's okay to ask one another. So part number two is sharing it with somebody and asking them to walk with you through that. Number three, you may just want to take it, tear it up into little pieces, put it in the trash can in the back, and say, I'm done with this as a fear. Or live your own life. Do whatever you want with the sheet of paper. It's your life. You decide. You don't have to follow any one of those. But I encourage you to consider Jesus' outstretched arm to you that says... I'm with you in the midst of this. Whatever your fear. So praise band, if you'll come forward. Let's pause in a word of prayer as lead us in response. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you, thank you for patiently being with us. We come into a time of prayer to ask your presence. We come into a time of prayer knowing we desperately need our source. And we don't need to hide our fears from you. We may be the individual who's in the boat, hiding beneath the surface of the edge, frustrated at the winds and the waves and feeling seasick already. We may have been the one who had the courage, like Peter, to take a first couple steps, but 
it then all seems to fall apart. And it's almost as if our very fears became a reality. And in those moments, Lord, our faith wavers, our hope is called into question. I feel like we don't know. And we do like Adam and Eve did. We keep going back to the tree of knowledge instead of going back to you. Lord, this morning, hear our fears. You know what we've written down and what we've thought. Reach out your hand to us this morning and help us to grab hold so that what once was a stumbling block becomes a stepping stone. The thing that tripped us now becomes the thing that holds us up. So hold us, Lord, this morning and help us to courageously hold on to you. Amen.
you into his presence this week. Let that be something that you take advantage of. Spend time with the Lord and allow those fears to become places where God transforms them. I certainly want to invite you to several things. If you'd like to pray about any of the things we've talked about, some of the fears that you've considered, off to my right and your left, there are some people who would love to pray with you. Thomas and Judy Bush are over there. If you want to talk amongst yourselves and Please feel free to do that over the course of the next few minutes. Um, we also have an invitation that's open to you. The senior celebration takes place down in the ellipse in about 10 to 15 minutes to celebrate those who have graduated from high school stepping into a new chapter of their life. 
forget, next Sunday morning, Crown Point. If you need a ride, be here at 945, and we'll help make that happen. What a great day. May God's be present, presence be with you. May you reach out for God's outstretched arm in your life. May you have God's great choice. Go with God's peace. Amen.